0: Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. The man known in Indonesia as Ahok, the ethnic Chinese governor of Jakarta, is on trial for blasphemy. The case has fueled religious and ethnic tensions, and as elections for the capital's leader approach in February, his legal battle has wider significance in Southeast Asia's biggest economy – than just for his career and freedom, says Ben Bland. Please protect us, O Lord, wails the Christian preacher, his voice quivering with emotion. Now is the time, let us not be afraid, he adds. By his side, on a small stage, stands Basuki Chahaya Panama, the governor of the Indonesian capital of Jakarta, eyes closed tightly in prayer. In front are hundreds of Mr Panama's supporters, representing the many religious and ethnic groups that make up the world's most populous Muslim-majority nation. Evangelical Christians wave their hands in rapture, while some Muslims echo the cries of Amen at the end of every invocation. Buddhists, Hindus and others watch in respectful silence at the start of a campaign event at the governor's re-election headquarters in Jakarta. Mr Panama, a devout Christian, will need all these prayers to be answered if he is to keep his budding political career and his freedom. The blunt-speaking 50-year-old politician, a member of Indonesia's minority ethnic Chinese community, is on trial for blasphemy and faces up to five years in prison if convicted, as the vast majority of those charged with such offences normally are. He was accused of insulting Islam after a speech in September – when he suggested voters were being deceived by those who cite a well-known verse from the Quran as evidence that they should not vote for a non-Muslim. Yet there is much more at stake than one man's fate. The legal fight comes amid a fierce battle to be the next Jakarta governor, one of Indonesia's most powerful political roles. Mr Panama the highest-profile ethnic Chinese politician in the era since the fall of dictator Suharto in 1998, had been expected to be re-elected in the February 15th election. Some supporters believed he might one day run for the presidency, mimicking his ally Joko Widodo, the current president and a former Jakarta governor. But his comments sparked a backlash that has shaken the establishment, divided the nation, and provided a big boost to once-marginal radical Islamist groups. Hundreds of thousands of Muslims flooded the streets of Jakarta in two massive protests at the end of last year, demanding that Mr Panama, who is known in Indonesia by his nickname Ahok, be charged and convicted. Alisa Wahid, a campaigner for multiculturalism and daughter of former President Abdurrahman Wahid, who led an unsuccessful campaign to abolish the blasphemy law, says The Ahok case has given the momentum that the extremists have been waiting for. Anis Baswedan, a former education minister and rival candidate for Jakarta governor, says the root of the discontent with Mr Panama is social inequality rather than religion. Growth in Southeast Asia's biggest economy is sluggish, job creation weak, and corruption endemic. He says, his supporters talk of a minority, but in what context? Ethnic or control of capital? There are around 3 million Chinese Indonesians out of a population of more than 250 million, and many run small businesses and are not particularly wealthy. But, as in other Southeast Asian nations, the majority of the country's wealthiest tycoons are ethnically Chinese, dominating industries from tobacco to palm oil and property to food production. Anti-Chinese sentiments have flared up periodically since Indonesia declared independence from the Netherlands in 1945, often with prodding from opportunist politicians and radical Islamists. Indonesians and foreign investors are watching anxiously amid fears that history is repeating itself. Harry Su, the head of research at Bahana Securities, an Indonesian stockbroker, says that, as a Chinese Indonesian living in Jakarta, he feels less safe today than at any time since 1998, referring to the violent anti-Chinese riots triggered by the Asian financial crisis. He says, If not handled properly, Mr. Widodo could lose political control of Jakarta, which is an important foothold. Mr. Panama is a protégé of Mr. Widodo and the president's political opponents, chiefly Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono, a former holder of that office, and former presidential candidate Prabowo Subianto, see an opportunity to weaken Mr Widodo by ousting his man in Jakarta. In the process, they have fanned the flames of ethnic and religious tensions in a country where 87% of people are Muslims, but freedom of worship is guaranteed by the constitution for all six official religions. Islam, Catholicism, Protestantism, Hinduism, Buddhism and Confucianism. Indonesia's reputation for social tolerance is already under strain because of a rise in attacks on minority groups and the increasing promulgation of Islamic bylaws by local governments, from banning alcohol to requiring that women wear a headscarf. In recent months, the country has been inundated by a deluge of unverified anti-Chinese news, from stories about millions of illegal Chinese workers to claims that Mr Panama distributed vaccines designed to make Muslim women infertile. The Islam Defenders Front, or FPI, a small hardline group known for raiding nightclubs and threatening minorities, has been propelled onto the national stage. Savik Ali, a Muslim who campaigns for pluralism, says that radicals have capitalised on, quote, the growing trend of conservatism in Islam in Indonesia, as people look to religious identity because of economic problems. Mr Ali, who edits the website of Nadlatul Ulama, an Indonesian Muslim organisation with 33 million members, says, We're not going to turn into Syria or Egypt, but there will be more tension. Mr Panama grew up on Balitung, the tin-rich island from which mining company BHP Billiton gets its name. He won election as a local official before securing a seat in the National Parliament in 2009 and rising to prominence in 2012 as Deputy Governor of Jakarta, alongside Mr Widodo, then Governor. When Mr Widodo won the 2014 presidential election, Mr Panama took over as Governor, promising to continue efforts to improve life in the sprawling, crowded and dilapidated city. While Mr Widodo took a soft approach when dealing with incompetent officials and querulous residents, his protégé prided himself on his uncompromising image. The problem with city planning, he once said in a serbic fashion, was that, quote, "...we decide to defecate first and only then build a toilet." Mr Panama's political opponents had long attacked him for the ruthless way he evicted slum dwellers and for his links to some ethnic Chinese tycoons who secured his approval for controversial land reclamation projects in Jakarta Bay. But it was his remark about the Koran, which even friends say was ill-advised, that provided a trigger for his possible downfall and for the surge in religious tensions. While he has apologised for any hurt caused, Mr Panama remains unbowed, insisting that his words were taken out of context to destroy his political career. Bambang Waluyo Wahab, the vice-chairman of Mr Panama's re-election campaign, and a Muslim who has known the governor for 30 years, says, That verse has been thrown against Ahok every time he's faced an election. It would have been better if he'd kept silent, but he'd heard from Wahid, the former president, that the verse about not allying with non-Muslims was only relevant in times of war. And there's no war here. In trying to fend off his critics, Mr Panama gave them the sharpest of tools with which to attack him. According to Mr Wahab, the Bible or the Koran is like a knife. You can use it for cooking or for killing. While many Muslims were offended by the comments, conservatives and hardliners stirred the pot further, circulating an edited video of them online. Mursidi, one of the protesters outside Mr Panama's trial, which has been taking place every Tuesday for the past seven weeks, says, I will fight for my religion. Indonesia is Indonesia and China is China, so he should stay out of matters regarding Indonesia. Mohamed Rizik Shihab, the spiritual head of the FBI, who has been jailed for inciting violence previously, helped lead the protests that brought central Jakarta to a standstill in November and December. The first gathering was mostly peaceful, although a few hundred radicals rampaged afterwards in a part of the city with many ethnic Chinese residents. The second demonstration, after Mr Panama was charged with blasphemy, attracted even more people. Fearing a repeat of the violence, Mr Widodo sought to diffuse the tension by listening to Mr Shihab speak and then praying alongside him. While he succeeded in his short-term objective, analysts worry that Mr Widodo unwittingly boosted the reputation of the FBI. Fadli Zon, the deputy speaker of Indonesia's parliament and a former proponent of political Islam, agrees that the two rallies signaled a shift in Indonesia. He says, Ahok triggered the reinvention of political identity of Islam. If we can control it, it's a good thing. If not, it's dangerous. Mr. Zon admits that his party, Gurindra, and its patron, Mr. Subianto, stand to gain from the governor's woes. Gurindra is backing Mr. Baswedan to run Jakarta and is considering promoting another presidential run for Mr. Subianto against Mr. Widodo in 2019. Laughing, Mr. Zon says, That's politics, right? Panama allies argue that rival politicians have stoked religious tensions rather than simply benefiting from them. They point the finger in particular at Mr. Yudiono, accusing him of failing to tackle rising intolerance towards religious minorities when he was president between 2004 and 2014. In early November, Mr. Yudiono warned at a press conference that the nation would, quote, burn with the anger of those seeking justice unless Mr. Panama was prosecuted. A wily political operator, he has formed a coalition between his Democrat party and several Islamic parties to back his son, Agus, in the Jakarta race. As the controversy has unfolded, Mr. Panama's ratings have dived and those of his rivals have surged. Agus, a 38-year-old former army officer, is the current frontrunner, according to surveys. Evan Laxmana, a politics researcher at the Centre for Strategic and International Studies, a Jakarta think tank, says, Agus was a virtual nobody with no political or party experience and low popularity when he joined the election. Now he's jumped in the polls without saying much, thanks to his father bringing the Islamic votes. The younger Mr. yudiono insists that Mr. Panama is the architect of his own misfortune. He says... People are blaming me, my team and my dad for pushing people onto the streets. But it's ridiculous. We never did that. It's being used against me. We're a democracy and should solve these problems by the law. Moderates hope that once the Jakarta election is over, the tension will ease. But with just two years until the next presidential election, the political temperature is likely to remain high. This could go several ways, says one high-profile Chinese-Indonesian businessman. The radicals could get stronger and stronger, or Widodo could get on top of the issue, or Indonesia could just muddle through as it often does. The Chinese business community is worried, but we're not packing our bags just yet. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. That's corient.com.